to the sin of the Jews, God allowed the Babylonians to invade Jerusalem three different times. 606 B.C., 598 B.C., and 586 B.C. And by the way, in class this morning, I mentioned, for those of you who do not know, we're in college, you need to learn something. B.C. means before Chick-fil-A. During the last, during the last invasion, Babylon, the Babylonians destroyed Solomon's temple. Now, God gave the Jews three prophets during all those invasions. First of all, Daniel was carried to Babylon during the first invasion. A priest in Babylon to the wealthy Jews and also to those in authority in Babylon. Secondly was Ezekiel. Ezekiel was carried away during the second invasion, carried away to Babylon, and he preached what we may call the wealthy or skilled Jews in Babylon. The third was Jeremiah. Jeremiah preached what we may call the poor Jews in Jerusalem. He was there before the first, uh, the, during all invasions, and he was there after they destroyed the temple. A priest in Jerusalem to the Jews there. Jeremiah chapter 18 God told Jeremiah to go to the potter's house get, to get a message to preach to the people in Jerusalem. Now look at verse 1, Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. That went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I, cannot I do with you as this potter? Saith the Lord, behold as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. The title of my message is the handwork of God. The handwork of God. I chose not to call it something like potter in the clay or something like that. When I get to the end of the message, you'll see why I specifically call it the handwork of God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that you'll use this message this morning. And I, I learned a lot working on the message. I pray I'll be a blessing. The Holy Spirit just totally take control of my mind. What I say, so I'll be a, I will be that blessing through you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you can be seated. Is, is the sound okay? I, I like, okay. I'm going to give you five lessons about the handwork of God. Number one, God is the potter and we are the clay. Amen. I know that's so, I, it's rather long. Can't you get any deeper than that? I, I, I'm coming. This is a progression. Number one, God is the potter and Christians are the clay. God as the potter owns us. And so God has the right to do what he seems fit for our lives and with our lives. God has the right to discipline us when we do wrong. Yes. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 and 6. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For from for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. You don't get mad if you do something wrong and you get the marriage for it. God has a right to make us into whatever he wants. I have no right to choose what I want to do with my life, including in the ministry. 
Another thing, when we are broken, no matter the reason we are broken, God has the right to choose the plan to remake us. And sometimes that's difficult. As a clay, we must give up our will for God to make us into what he wants. And take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 12. Once again, very familiar verses. Romans chapter 12. And by the way, I I've been working on this message all summer long. And God had to put me through this past week part of that handwork. And it's not pleasant, but I needed it. I've learned a lot this last week. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not to this world be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good acceptable and perfect will of God now that's not my message this morning but four things from those, those verses have to do with my message number one we must not determine God's will we must allow God to determine his will for us it says good acceptable perfect will of God not my will not will of man, will of God. God's will for you, a plan. It's up to you to do God's plan. Number two, we must not decide what we think is God's will based on our physical comfort. It says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Or would you go anywhere, you do exactly what God wants you. And it may be uncomfortable. But if it's God's will, that's what we must do. Number three, we must not decide what we think is God's will based on the standard or desires of the world. Be not conformed to the world, to this world. And finally, God's will must be in total compliance with God's word. But be transformed by, by the renewing of your mind. Where minds are renewed is through the truth of the word of God. Number one, God's the potter and Christians are the clay. Number two, lesson number two, all of us will become broken vessels. All of us will become broken vessels. I've brought some illustrations for this. I have a broken bowl. I broke this bowl yesterday on purpose. It was my will. My wife helped me. She filmed it. I didn't want her to film that, but she filmed it for me. It was unspectacular. But I broke it to use this as an illustration. I broke this on purpose. It was not an accident. I did it deliberately. Sometimes God has to break us. To make us into what he wants. Now I'm going to come back to this bowl in just a few minutes. All of us will become broken vessels. Now, there are three main ways we can become a broken vessel. Number one, our own sin or foolishness. Young people, you must be very careful not to allow sin to cause you to become a broken vessel. 
that you allow to stay in your mind can ruin your thinking. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. One sin, one wrong act could become a habit that will be very hard to break. And this is why the college has rules to help you not to fall into the trap of becoming a broken vessel. That's why you have no phones at nighttime. Why is that? You'll be tempted to watch things you shouldn't watch. Or at the very least, waste your time playing video games or something that will rob sleep from, uh, of you. And once you start to watch something wrong, it just becomes a habit. You'll not be satisfied. You'll watch another one and another one. So it becomes a habit that becomes very hard to break. Why does the college tell you to go home right after work? Because the nighttime is an open door for temptation. Absolutely. Proverbs chapter 7 tells us about a young man who did wrong. And the reason he did wrong was he was out, he was out at nighttime. God says that he went the way to her house. He says, in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot. God emphasized nighttime three times to warn us not to be out at nighttime. In all three countries where we started churches, I always taught from the very beginning that young people should be in the house at nighttime. The parents who wanted to do what wanted their, their teens to do what was right, they loved what I preached. But some teenagers decided they wanted to be there with their friends outside at nighttime. And some of them became broken vessels. Now, in Nigeria, we found almost everything is recycled. When we think of recycle as Americans, we think of, you know, the thing goes to recycle center. They pour a bunch of chemicals on and melt whatever it is down and make something else out of it. But the first time we put out our garbage in, in Nigeria, we had metal cans. We stuck it out. They said, it comes on Tuesday or whatever day. We put the metal can out there, and of course, because we moved into a house, it was full of stuff. Next morning, that trash tank had not come yet. I went to the garbage can because we had, you know, the garbage can, the, the top was sitting on top of all the garbage. I noticed the gar that the lid of the garbage can was on, on top of the garbage can, not sticking up anymore. And I thought, what, is, what happened? That other truck had not come. So I opened up the garbage can. The garbage can is half empty. What people had done is, and they did it every time we put out the garbage. Go through the garbage. Any cup that's broken, they're still going to use it. A plate that's broken, that's a plate to them. It's still a plate. Everything was recyclable. Every tin can they would take, and they make something out of it. We bought things from, they call them the tinkerers. And they'd make, a, what is it, in the kitchen. My mind just went blank. That, that thing, you, you, you grind the stuff on it. You grind it. Grater, yeah, grater. We gave them a, a, a gallon and a half. Uh, we used to buy vegetable oil in a can. So the tinkerer came to our house. We gave him a can. He said, yeah, we got a can, empty can. He brought back, the next week he brought back, he had made a grater for us. He even had a handle. And what they do is they, they flatten out the, the can, cut it open, flatten it out, they take a nail and a hammer and put the little nails, little holes in there. 
become a greater. That's true recycling. I used to tell people in all three countries we were at, many of them were broken vessels before they ever got saved. I would tell them, God can use you. And I said, God can use you in a way that he cannot use me. I can preach people the truth from the Bible, but you can tell them from personal experience, don't do this because this is what's going to happen. And God used, used and is using many of them. Now, there are different ways a person becomes a broken vessel. As I say, one way is act of foolishness. Another way is the sin or foolishness of someone else in our lives. And that's very sad when it happens. We had nothing to do with it. But somebody else in our lives has messed up. And we feel the effects of what they did. Uh, we cannot control what, what, what they do, but we can control what we do. But sometimes somebody in our lives does something wrong and it affects us. And when somebody else's actions affect us, uh, that can deeply hurt. And that can cause us to think that God doesn't care. Why would God allow this to happen? But God uses the broken times of our lives to make us into a more useful vessel. As he did with Joseph. That was not his doing. His brothers did it. But Joseph said, God meant it for good. And God did. How about Mary, the mother of Jesus? Do you realize, from what I see in the Bible, she was accused of doing wrong. The Pharisees even said that. We'd be not born of fornication. From the time that Mary said, I'm, I'm, I'm pregnant by the Holy Ghost. I believe her family rejected her. And that's why she went to her cousin Elizabeth's house. That's hard. God's will for her. That's difficult. Another way is just God's will. Uh, how many of you, I'm sincere, what, how many of you want to great, be greatly used of God? Raise your hand. I, I do. Missionary Tommy Ashcraft in Mexico said this, God never greatly uses someone who has not been deeply afflicted. We may do everything God tells us to do, but God's will for us brings us through times of brokenness, sickness, financial difficulties. Someone close to us turns against us. And we, and we don't understand why. But God has a plan that will make us stronger. Uh, your life as a student is going to have some difficulties. Uh, you are going to have a lack of sleep. Your enemy is going to be that alarm clock. Yeah, <laughs> it's right there in the Greek in Revelation. No pain. However, pain is alarm clock. Some of you went to high school, but the high school where you went, they didn't teach you how to write papers. And so that's going to be a struggle for you. It's going to be hard. But God's going to use it to make you a better person. Amen. And more useful to him. 
Romans 8, 27 through 29, he that searcheth the hearts, knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. To what? To be conformed to the image of his Son. They might be the firstborn among many brethren. God has something special for us. God has a will for us, but that will involves some hard times, some brokenness. <laughs> so number one is God is the potter and we are the clay. Number two, all of us will become broken vessels. Number, number three, what should we do when we become broken vessels? Number one, be patient. Be patient. Allow God time to work. Have you, I've seen it. I remember when I was a kid, we took a field trip to a place where they were making clay vessels by hand. And even the thing that the table had turned was by hand. Just like the old sewing machines, you had the treadle. You push down the treadle, and that turned the wheel. And they put that slab of clay up there and it started working on it. And the wheel was turning and making it spin. And the person working. Have you ever seen that before? I mean, have actually seen that before. It takes time, though. And the more precious the vessel, the longer time it takes. Number two, we must follow the commandments and principles of God's word. Be patient with God. But then we must follow God's word, God's commandments. That's the only way God can put us together to be used by him. Number three, trust God. Especially, especially if you are broken and it's not your fault. You've got to trust God. In Nigeria, a little girl named Akayate watched her, watched her own mother as she is murdered by a relative. When Akaite was a teenager, she was brought to our church by a church member. She got saved, baptized, joined our church, and thrived in our church. She even graduated from our Bible Institute, even though English was not her first language. She wrote her papers, and she passed Bible school. She married a fine preacher in our church, and she's now a pastor's wife in Nigeria. They named one of their daughters after my, after my wife. The daughter's name is Mrs. Long. <laughs> no, the wife's name, the daughter's name is Terry. <laughs> Y'all liked that, didn't you? God is the potter and we are the clay. All of us will become broken vessels in what we should do when we are broken vessels. But number four is this. Through the miracle of God's handwork, we will become more useful to God. I got something else to show you. This is a Japanese word. Actually, it's in English we say kitsugi, but the actual pronunciation is kitsugi. In Japan, broken pottery they don't throw it away. They take broken pottery and they take a lacquer that is mixed with gold, silver, or platinum. And they use that to mend the broken vessel. So that the mending becomes more valuable than the vessel itself. God's working in our lives makes us more valuable to his work. Isn't that a beautiful illustration? That's exactly what God does with us. 
but he can't do it till it's broken. Many Christians think that our brokenness and God's handwork hurt us. But like Kintsugi, in reality, our brokenness and then God's handwork increases our value in God's will. The handwork of God during your college years here will mold you into a very useful servant for his glory. Yes. Don't quit. Don't get bitter. Through the hard times, don't get bitter. Even somebody else's fault, don't get bitter. Because God wants to mold you. He's going to put that gold in there. And he's going to put that silver and that platinum. And everybody's going to say, oh, that's such a useful vessel. Number five. Number five, in heaven, we will fully see God's handwork has made us into a beautiful vessel. God will not be finished with his handwork until we get to heaven. In Nigeria, once again, a mother and her three children came to our church. All of them got saved, baptized, and became faithful members of our church. Among those three children was a teenager named Linda. Linda was faithful to everything in the church, and especially the teen girls program. My wife started a class called Precious Rubies Class for teen girls. She did so well in that class. When we left Nigeria, Linda took over that class and did a great job. She was a great soul winner. She graduated from our Bible Institute. Beautiful singing voice. You know, we didn't have anybody who could play the piano. In fact, I was the first person to ever play the piano in our church, or electric keyboard. We didn't have people to play the piano. Didn't, people couldn't afford lessons anyways. But she could take, you could give her a tune, and without any, without any instruments to start her or accompany her, she would sing a song perfectly. Beautiful voice. She, she married a fine young man in our church, and they had a son named Leshiani Ochuwe. In their language, it means the handwork of God. Hence the title of my message. When they told me the child's name, I wrote it down. I thought, this is wonderful. I, I love that name. Leshiani Ochuwe, the handwork of God. The spring semester, I don't know if you remember, the last Monday of April, I preached in chapel. And I preached the message, there is but a step between me and death. I sent, as I often do, if I preach a message, I'll send the notes to Nigeria and tell the pastor, you can do whatever you want to with it. You can teach it. You can give it out as a handout. And I sent those notes to Nigeria. Less than two weeks after I preached that message, Linda was diagnosed with a very aggressive cancer. Within one month, she was in heaven. I wrote a, a long letter and a poem for her wedding, or the, the funeral. And I want to read you just part of what I wrote and, and was read during the funeral. I said, it is a wonderful thing that Linda and Stephen chose to name their son Leshiani Ochuwe, which means the handwork of God. Linda's life is a picture of God's handwork in her acceptance of God's gift of salvation by grace, her service for Christ. 
her willingness to wait for God's provision of a godly husband, and patience in waiting through medical issues for the birth of a son. Finally, we see God's handwork in preparing a place in heaven. For Linda, where there's no more sickness, pain, tears, disappointments, and difficulties. Through God's handwork, Linda has joined the great congregation of church members who have gone on before us into heaven. And we look forward with Linda and others to proclaim God's goodness and God's handwork for all eternity. Now I want to show you her picture. Sorry, it's black and white. This is Linda with our three children, I think 2004 in Nigeria. The people I talk about are real people. Heaven and hell are real. And she is in that real place called heaven now. And God wants to do a handwork in your life so you can reach people like Linda. They're right here in Lexington. Be patient and trust God to do his handwork in your life. Let's bow our heads for prayer.